I was joking the other day, and I told someone that I'm going to preach a good children's pastor's message today on David and Goliath. <laughs> on David and Goliath. But I hope and I pray, because some a lot of people have not done this story justice, in, in my opinion. Um, but I, I hope we can look at it from a little bit different perspective today. Um, our theme for this year that Josh mentioned a couple weeks ago is strong and courageous. Strong and courageous. And, you know, oftentimes we see stories in the Old Testament that are just like crazy, awesome stories, like miraculous tales, like something that, that if we didn't know the Bible was real and true, that we would, it would only make sense that it was a Disney movie. Right. Like some of the some of the things that you read in the Old Testament uh, about how God used people and how God worked was just just incredible. And. Sometimes we try to put ourselves in the place of those characters that we see. Have you ever done that? Um, and, and we somehow try to claim their experience as our own in some type of way and fit whatever they faced into into our life. And I, I can see and I can understand, and I have, I've, I have done that myself, how, how we can learn some things from that. But if we do this, we miss the point of these miraculous tales entirely. If we do this, we distort how we actually can be strong and courageous in the face of adversity, in the face of an enemy, in the face of whatever trial that we are going through. So, let's take a look at this, one of the most famous stories, maybe in all of the Bible. Um, in all walks of our culture, at different times, this has been applied to, there's David, the little guy, and Goliath, the big guy. Um, there's a little bit of something like that happening this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're not a football fan, sorry, I am, you can deal with it. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's incredible. Joe Burrow, who went to Ohio State for a few years, shout out uh, to my Buckeyes, um, but then went to LSU, won a national championship. He's, he's uh, in his second year, last year, tore his ACL. Um, just like Pastor Jeff, uh, he tore his ACL too. I think they did it in the same, the same way, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Pastor Jeff wasn't able to recover as well, so now he's here with us. Joe Burrow is in the AFC Championship game this week. Um, so he, he's, he's coming off an injury. He's in his second year in the league. It's kind of this David versus Goliath type thing. Uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, they've been in the AFC Championship game. This is their fourth year in a row. Um, but, but we can relate to this. If, even if you're not a sports fan, you have seen this applied. You have probably applied it yourself in some way, shape, or form. There's David, Goliath, little guy versus the big guy, the weakling versus the mighty one. But I want us to see something different. Those two characters, David and Goliath, they are important in this story. I don't want us to miss that. But they serve their purpose, and they teach us some lessons. But the greatest purpose of this story and the greatest lesson in this story is not found in the characters named David and Goliath. Okay, so first of all, we're going to look at some lessons that we can learn from the enemy. We know this story. 
David's three oldest brothers were fighting in King Saul's army. They went up, uh, they, they said they were uh, in battle array. They were on one side of uh, the, the mountain over here. There was the Valley of Elah, and then the other side of the mountain was the Philistine army. And every day, Goliath, their champion, who stood anywhere from, depending on uh, people's understanding of the measurements back then, he was anywhere from 6'9 to 9'9. Nine nine. Now, that's a big difference, three feet. But anybody that's six feet, nine inches, to me, is, that's pretty big. Um, so whether he was 6'9 or 9'9, nine nine, David was a teenager. Um, so there was a massive size difference, massive disadvantage on David's side. We know the story. David uh, is sent by his father to bring some supplies, some food to his brothers. He goes. He hears uh, Goliath calling out for somebody to send somebody from the, the Israelite army to come and fight him. Um, if they were to defeat him, the Philistines will be their servants forever. If uh, the, the Israelites defeat Goliath, then uh, the Philistines will be the Israelite servants forever. And the story goes on. And David comes up, and he's wondering what's going on. And he says, well, hey, if nobody else will fight him, I will. He goes to King Saul. Saul says, no, you can't do that. You're too young. Uh, and he says, no, like, God's going to go with me. I, I, I've defeated a bear. I've defeated a lion. I'm going to go, and I'm going to defeat Goliath. Saul gives him his armor. David was a teenager. Saul, Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody in the land, the Bible tells us. Um, so David, King Saul's di armor didn't fit him. So he takes it back. He's like, no, I got my sling. I'm straight. I'm good. Uh, so he goes out. He gets five smooth stones, puts them in his little pouch. He goes out there. And the Bible says that as, when Goliath saw him coming, that he disdained him. And then David, he says to him, you know what? You come to me with sword, spear, yada, yada, whatever. I don't care about that. I got the Lord God Almighty on my side, and I'm going to defeat you this day, and I'm going to cut your head off, um, and you are going to be defeated, and the Philistine army is going to be defeated. And then David ran towards him. That's pretty cool. <laughs> he takes off running towards Goliath, puts the sling in, right in between the eyes. Goliath falls dead. Done. Let's pray. Y'all can go home. No, I'm just kidding. We're not done yet. Um, it's an awesome story. And there's a lot to be learned about David. There's a lot to be learned from Goliath. But those are not the most important things to be learned. We're going to go through a lot of verses, but I'm not going to read all of them. So if you have your phone or your Bible, put a little underline or like highlight in your phone or something like that. Go back and read these later on. But what are some lessons that we can learn from the enemy? Before I get into this, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us, and God, I pray as we come face to face with what you have said this morning, that we will walk away changed, that we'll walk away encouraged, that we'll walk away challenged to do and believe what you have said. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what are some lessons that we can learn from the enemy? The enemy in this story is very obviously Goliath and the Philistine army, but Goliath in particular, in verses 4 through 10 and verses 23, we find out that Goliath stood Anywhere from 6'9 to 9'9. Now, again, that's a big jump, but 6'9, that's pretty big. So even if we go on the small end, me versus 6'9, that's pretty imposing. Um, he had a coat of mail, which I had no idea what a coat of mail was. If you do know what that is, um, then kudos to you. I didn't until I looked it up this week. Um, it's like if you ever see, like, an old medieval movie or show or whatever. It's like the chain shirt that they wore. That was a coat of mail. Um, his coat of mail alone weighed 125 pounds. He had a spear that the head of the spear weighed 15 pounds. 
and the beam of the spear said it was like a weaver's beam. And if you've ever seen a loom, that the weaver's beam is the big beam at the top that kind of holds the structure together that all the fabric is tied to. And as the, the fabric gets pulled and jerked in this way, that, that has to hold. So as you can imagine, I mean, that wasn't like a, that wasn't a little dowel rod. Like, it was, that was a significant piece of, piece of wood. Um, plus, he had the rest of his armor. He had armor of bronze on his legs, and he had a massive sword that he carried with him. And he came out, and he confronted and threatened the army of Israel day after day. And when you think about what it means to confront and threaten the army of Israel, who does the army of Israel represent? It represents Almighty God. So not that he come out and he defied the nation of Israel. He was defying Almighty God loudly every day over and over and over again. And here was the army of Israel who it was their job to defend and fight for and in the name of the Lord. And day after day, people refused to go out. And fight against Goliath. But we can learn this from, from this part of about Goliath. We can learn that our enemy can seem larger than life. You ever experienced something like that? What you're facing is just, this is too big. It's overwhelmingly imposing. It's seemingly impossible to overcome. It's threatening everything that I have, everything that I am. And I can't handle it. It's too big to deal with. And that's a good lesson. We can, we can take away from that that, that that we can know that sometimes our enemies are going to be too big for us. But in verse 16, we find out that Goliath came out every morning and every evening for 40 days. And we can learn this. Our enemy is resilient. You ever face something that just wouldn't leave you alone? Just wouldn't go away? No matter how many times you thought you had defeated it, no matter how many times you thought it was going to leave you alone, it would not go away. And it was there over and over and over again. That was Goliath in this story. In verse 28, uh, David has come to the camp and he's asking questions about what's going on. Who is this army? Like, who, who is going to go out and fight uh, the Philistine, Goliath? And who, if they defeat him, what's, what are they going to get? What's going to happen? And they're explaining it. And then Eliab, David's oldest brother. How many of you are an oldest brother or an oldest sibling? I'll tell you what, my sister, who is seven years older than me, if you're watching this, Rachel, I love you. But I was, I was always doing something wrong. Um, and maybe if you're an oldest sibling, maybe you look at your younger siblings and think, man, they're always doing something wrong. Maybe not anymore. Maybe you've matured past that. We have. Love you, Rach. Um, but at this time, Eliab looked at David like he's always doing something wrong. And Eliab's oldest brother comes and ridicules David and said, oh, you only just wanted to come watch the battle, the battle that had not happened. Like there was no battle taking place to watch. In fact, Eliab, along with the rest of the people, every time Goliath came out, they went and ran and hid in their tents. There wasn't much to watch. Uh, but he was criticizing and ridiculing David, saying that he only wanted to come uh, just to watch. But David was simply asking questions about what was going on in the situation. And we can see this in Eliab, that our enemy will criticize and discourage us in our actions, especially when they are good and well-intentioned. You ever been trying to do something good and right? And somebody comes and discourages you and criticizes you for what you're doing. Happens all the time. But there's more to learn. Verse 33. Saul, uh, he, he had, David had come to him and said, look, nobody else is going to fight. Nobody's got to worry because I'm going to go and fight. And Saul says, you can't go and fight Goliath. You're just a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. 
You know, our enemy, I think this might be one that we all struggle with the most. Our enemy will place doubt in our minds. Our enemy will place doubt in our minds saying, you're incapable because you're too young. You're too weak. You're too inexperienced. You're too fill in the blank to overcome. You're too blank to face what is ahead. What is ahead? You have too much anxiety. You're too busy. You're too fill in the blank because I know you know in your heart what lie that is that's being told to you from the enemy right now. There's something that God wants you to do, and the enemy is saying, you're too to do that. And no matter what that is, that's a lie from the enemy. But also in verse 38, David uh, reassures Saul that, that he can handle this, that God is on his side. So Saul agrees, and Saul put his own armor on David. And like I said, King, King, uh, King Saul stood head and shoulders above all the people of the land. He was a big dude, and David was just a teenager. So it obviously didn't fit him. David wasn't comfortable in it. And, but the, putting the armor on was, was the normal, old-fashioned way, the, the sure-proof way. If David, if you're going to do this, you could better take my armor because that's the only way you're going to be able to be successful. But you know what? Our enemy will discourage us from seeing how God could do anything new and anything miraculous in us. But you know, we have a God in Isaiah. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. It'll spring forth. He'll make rivers in deserts and highways through wildernesses. He's in the business of doing new things, of doing miracles, of performing things that you've never seen, that the world has never seen. That's the business that God is in. But our enemy says, Look, it, it, you can have this, been, but it's probably not going to work. But if you have any chance, you better, you better do this. You better do it this way. You better take this with you. You better use these tools. But God is in the business of doing new things. Verse 42 and 40, through 44. David had come out, and the Bible says that Goliath disdained David for his age, and he mocked him for his lack of weapons, and he cursed him by his gods. You know, our enemy will confront us face to face and mock us. And he'll remind us of what he thinks is our impending defeat. And he won't leave you alone. Reminding you again and again, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. And, you know, we could stop there having learned a little bit about our enemies and being like, all right, cool, like that, that was pretty good. Like I, I'm ready to go out and I'm ready to have a good week. But there's so much more. So let's learn some stories from David. Lessons to learn from David. In verse 22 through 23, David asked questions, and he did everything he could to understand the enemy that they were facing. He had come to the camp. Goliath had been coming out for 40 days, morning and night, challenging somebody to come and to face him and to fight against him. And David was trying to understand what was going on. Why had nobody stood up and, and gone out and fight? Because we're part of the army of the living God. Why, why would nobody stand up against him? And we can learn this, that there's great wisdom in asking questions first in any given situation. Seek to learn and understand before you take action. There's great wisdom in that. 
from the life of David here. But in verse 26, we can go on. David saw Goliath for who he really was. He looked at him and he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? He has no place, no right to stand there and say these things. Who does he think he is and who's going to stand up to him? A biblical worldview will view enemies for what they are. And it's nothing in compared to our God. A biblical worldview will view the enemies that you have in your life for what they are. And they're nothing. Now to you, they might seem like everything. When you look at the world view through when you look at the world through your worldview, if I look at the world through uh, an Aaron Conley worldview, the enemies are big. Everything we learned about the enemy from, from Goliath and Eliab and Saul, it, it's all true. And that's all I see. But when I look at the world through a biblical worldview and through the eyes of God, I can see that nothing is a match for him. They are nothing in compared to our God. They're nothing. David said, who is this guy? He has no right to stand there and defy the armies of the living God. Who does he think he is? He saw that he was nothing compared to our God. In verses 29 through 30, uh, after David had been kind of berated by Eliab, but David was unfazed by his older brother's criticism, and he wanted to know what was going on and why nobody was doing anything about it. And he was trying to get as much information as he could, and he was ready to take action. And you know, sometimes those who we expect to support us, sometimes those who we expect to support us the most will become our greatest opposition. You ever face that? Really thought somebody was going to be in your corner? Really thought you could depend on somebody? And they ended up being just the opposite? I've been there. Sad to say, I've been on both sides of that. Somebody thought they could count on me, and I failed. I let them down. David faced this with his with his brother, his oldest. Eliab was the oldest. David was the youngest. And I, I I don't know if you've ever noticed, but oldest and youngest sibling relationships. Like, there's no one greater that the youngest looks up to than the oldest. My sister may have been on me and criticized me and said I did anything and everything wrong, whether it was breathe or eat or put my shoes on. But you know what? A lot of times she thought I was annoying because I wanted to be just like her. I wanted to do everything she did. I wanted to be around her all the time because I thought she was the most incredible person I'd ever met. She was my big sister. And I can only imagine how David felt in this situation. But we move on. Verse 31 and 32. David said, look, y'all don't need to, need to worry because I'm going to go and I'm going to face this Philistine. Cough or coughing. And we're good. He was willing to face the enemy that nobody else wanted to face. Have you ever in your life went to, to, to stand up for what was right or to stand up against something that was wrong and you looked around and you were the only one? You see, David 
realize that he may and we may stand alone, humanly speaking, in the face of our enemies. You might look around at some of those, some of those characteristics of the enemies that we, that we talked about, and you might seem like you're all alone, that you don't have anybody else. But David understood that that was okay. Because it doesn't matter who is, who, who is there with you as long as God is there with you. Because there's nothing any person, nothing any human can do to make the situation any worse or any better. Because God is in control. He's the one that's going to fight the battle. But we may stand alone. In verse 34 through 37, Saul had offered David his armor, and David said he tried it on, and it just didn't fit. It didn't feel right. It didn't work, and he hadn't tried them out. And, and he, he, he said, no, I'm not going to use those. But he was confident in his experiences of how God had given him victory in the past. God had delivered David from a lion or lions and bears, and he had protected him and given him victory in battle against those animals. Remember, David was a teenager, and as a shepherd, it's no telling at what age David faced lions and bears and took out his sling, ran toward the lion and the bear, flung it around and hit that thing between the eyes and dropped it. As just a kid, I know kids can do some crazy stuff. Um, heaven knows whenever, whenever I was young, I mean, kids can be kind of fearless, and like I did some stuff that I, I probably shouldn't have done. Like, it, it's of the Lord that I'm standing here today. Uh, but David knew that God was on his side in those situations. And if he had done it again, he was going to do it again and again and again. And we can trust what God has already done and trust him to do it again. Because he's faithful, he's unchanging, and he will always be the same God. He's unchanging. In verse 39, he again, we, 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 we find out that, that David gave him the armor back and, no, I can't do that. Uh, and see, David, he was not so foolish to try a new method of battle. And when you think about the, the king's armor, it was probably the nicest, the best armor in all of the land. There probably wasn't anything better that David could have gone to battle with, tangibly speaking. But David wasn't fighting a tangible war. You know, there's great wisdom in trusting the skills and the experience that God has given you. David knew how to use a sling. And he didn't know how it was going to work, but he knew God was going to use it somehow. So give me a sling of my stones, and I'm good to go. There's great wisdom in trusting the skills and the experience that God has given you. He made you. He gave you those things. And we have to trust him with them. You might be facing a situation and you'll be like, yeah, I am so unqualified. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill set to face this. I don't know. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, I don't belong here. But God has given you experiences and he's giving, given you gifts and skills to place you exactly where you are. And he has equipped you to face everything that you're facing in life. And guess what? You're not good enough to use them on your own. You're not good enough to use them on your own. You don't know how. You're truly not skillful enough. You're truly not good enough to use them on your own. But that's not the point. The point is God has given you things for him to use in the face of your enemies. And that's where David found himself. 
verses 45 through 47. Uh, David went out to face Goliath. Goliath criticized him and, and mocked him and, uh, and cursed him. But David's confidence was in God alone. Nothing else mattered, not weapons, not armor, not the size of the enemy. He was determined that God would receive the glory for the battle that day in his own way. And we can learn this, that we must believe that God alone can win the victory. And he alone deserves the glory. And then in verse 48, the last lesson that we can learn from David, David took off and he, he ran and hurried toward the enemy. That's, that's a cool image. Here's the teenager running at the giant, slinging stone in hand, ready to fire. Because David knew with God on our side, there's no reason to hesitate or to second guess anything. Because the battle is his. And we could have a word of prayer and we could stop right there. And that would be pretty good, I think. Maybe you don't think so, but I have the microphone. Um, you could leave here and be like, yeah, that was a good little pep talk. But if we stop there, we miss this point of the story entirely. If we stop there, we miss the main character in the story. We can't stop there because there's more to it. David and Goliath, Eliab and Saul... They're not who the story is about. There's so much more for us to understand and to ground our faith in. So we look at this. Whenever we come to the Old Testament, I want to challenge you. Whenever, whenever you come to anything in the Bible, don't look at the characters. Don't look at, at who it's talking about. Look at what is being revealed about God Almighty. Because you know what, you can learn surface lessons. We can go through, we can go through every verse in the Bible and pick out a lesson like I did for all those. And we can walk away with a shallow faith, having something that's going to crumble under pressure. Because if all we do is have a little application of what David did, then we when we really face an enemy, when we stand there. And face the giant in your life, all you have to fall back on is somebody who failed. David was a failure all his life, over and over and over again, just like you and me. And if, that's all, if his example is all we have to stand on, then we're going to fail too. But there's more to learn. Because there's lessons to learn about God Almighty. He's the main character of the story. Look with me. We're going to read these in verse number 26. The Bible says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? On down in verse 36, David uses the same name for God. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. The names of God are very important. And if you ever are, are wondering what something is trying to reveal about our God, there's a website that you can go to. It's called BibleHub.com. And you can go to click on the lexicon thing, and then you can go, you can look, look at any, uh, any verse in the Bible. And it's going to give you um, the, what it says in English. It's going to give you the original language word. Um, and then it's going to give you the definition of that original language word. 
And I looked up what the, the name of God that was used here, and David used the word Elohim. Elohim. Now, what does the word Elohim teach us about God? It means literally that he is the living God. In the beginning of the Bible, it's the only name used for God through the whole creation story. From Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 2-3, Elohim is the word that is used for God. He is the almighty creator. It literally means that he is the strong one. The God who, who brings something, who brings life, who brings creation from nothing. Tony Evans says this, The strong one does not need raw material with which to work. He does not need logic or tangible solutions in order to accomplish his goal. All he needs is himself. And all you need is faith in his name that he can do all that he purposes to do. Church this morning, one of the most amazing things that we can learn from this story is that God is powerful. God is powerful. And his power is not limited. He is all-powerful above all things. No matter what enemy you're facing, no matter what you can learn, no matter what application you can learn from somebody's life who did something good in the Bible, learn that God is powerful above all things. But there's more. There's more. In verse number 47, or 37, excuse me, the Bible says this. Moreover, David said, the Lord, different word, we're going to look at that in a minute. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and, and from the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. The word used here is Jehovah and Yahweh. A way that you can know that from your Bible, it will be uh, capital L and then smaller, capital O, capital R, capital D. If you ever see Lord in that way, it's the, it's the word Jehovah. Or in Hebrew, it, it was Yahweh. That word means I am who I am. It's the, it's the name that God uses. He revealed himself personally to Moses in the burning bush. Moses said, God, who, who do I say that sent me whenever I go? He says, tell them that I am Jehovah has sent you. It, it describes his, his person and his self-existence in and of himself. Tony Evans continued and, and explained this. If Elohim is God's creative and powerful name, then Jehovah is God's personal name. When we talk about Jehovah, we are talking about his person, his character. Jehovah is the side of God who relates to his creation personally. Jehovah is the God who personally reveals himself to us, oftentimes through trials and struggles that we are facing. Jehovah reveals the depth of God's concern and care for each of us individually. Family, if we can learn that God is powerful this morning, we can also learn that God, he's personal. He is a personal God that you can have a personal relationship with. You know, David had seen God's power on display. He had delivered him from, from lions and bears, and he had seen his power on display. He knew that he could trust his power, and so can you. But David also had a personal relationship with God. He spent time with him. He spent time in prayer with him. He spent time worshiping and praising him. He knew the comfort and the protection that the peace of God gave, and he knew that he could rest his confidence in God 
because he had a relationship with a God who loved him. There's people in your life that you have a relationship with who you know love you unconditionally. And there is no question as to whether or not when they are there, when you can confide in them that you can rest and have comfort and peace in that person. Now, if you multiply that to where it is perfected, because people fail, even those people who you, you trust and have confidence in and rest in around you, whether it's family or a spouse or a friend, they're going to fail. But God has perfected that because he is perfect. And while he is powerful, he is so personal that he wants the God who spoke things into existence wants to have a personal relationship with you. And we can put these together in verses 45 through 47. We see, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. These couple of verses, it uses both Elohim and Jehovah together to show that God, in his relationship with you, will show his power in such a way that he will win battles and do things in your life that you absolutely cannot believe. But friends, to be able to see this, we have to know that there's a powerful God. Who can do all things. We have to know that there's a personal God. Who loves me. Who loves you. Who wants to use his power in your life. We have to know and we have to trust these things first. For his power and his person to come together. For his glory to be displayed in our lives. And he will win battles in a way that only he can. And he'll do it all by himself and that only he can get the glory from, and he will do it because he loves you, because you're his child. So let me ask you this. Are you facing an enemy in your life right now? Does it look like any of the enemies that we saw? It probably does in some way, shape, or form, because all of our enemies are going to look pretty similar when we, when we boil it all down. but don't walk away today holding on to to a surface truth about the enemy. Don't walk away today holding on to a surface truth about David and his character and his trust in God. There's so much more than that. Do you know the God of this story? Do you have a personal relationship with a personal God named Jehovah? He loves you, and he wants you to be his child because he wants to put his power on display in your life just like he did in the life of David. 
Have you seen that, Christian? Have you seen the power of God in your life? Heaven knows I have. And wow, I'm thankful for it. But if I didn't know him, I wouldn't have seen it. His power is there. But if I don't know him personally, I don't see the power. I chalk it up to maybe a, a coincidence or good luck or whatever it might be. But no, it's the power of God in our lives. He's all-powerful, and he can win any and every battle that you face. He can defeat every enemy that's going to come in your life, and you can trust his power because of his love for you. So I want to challenge you today. Walk away from here, not having heard a surface truth about an enemy or, or a brave little guy named David. Walk away having a deeper understanding of what God's power can do in your life when you know him personally. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll pray. Lord, we love you. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.